Hello, this is Charles Wiz and Tony Silva, and we're Two Teachers Talking, a podcast where for many years now, many years running, Tony and I have gotten together and talked about teaching, teaching in Japan, teaching English, and just the assorted other things that occur when one works in a university in a foreign country. And in our 142nd episode, and I can't believe we haven't talked about this before, Tony, is uh, talking about what we think is the perfect class. Well, what our ideas of the perfect class, not the perfect classroom, which is a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> the perfect classroom would be a beach somewhere, right? <laughs> a beautiful beach somewhere. I don't know if that'd be very conducive to learning. <laughs> but it would be the perfect classroom. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Just... But it is true that uh, what we're talking about is uh, the kind of class, the students, what uh, would make a perfectly conducive learning environment. And so uh, we have different ideas, I think, about this, or maybe kind of basically similar. We've talked about this before. So it's going to be interesting to see how our ideas have changed or altered since we just between the two of us, you know, like any teachers always talking about. Well, I think, yeah, I I think at the get go, I think to kind of maybe just kind of underscore the fact that, that uh, this is all very, very subjective. I mean, there's, there's no research (laughs) backing anything that we're going to say here. Um, It's just what we like. (laughs) <laughs> um, what we would like or what we, th- you know, cautiously, what we think we would like because a lot of times, you know, experience has taught me that, uh, yeah, you think you might want something, but that actually when you get it, you realize, well, this maybe isn't all it's cracked up to be. And uh, maybe I want it the other way. <laughs> On a different day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of, uh, what is it? It's uh um, Choice, spaghetti, um, choice, happiness, and spaghetti sauce by Malcolm Gladwell. The TED Talk. I have mentioned that be- this before on the podcast, but it's a talk about food and a guy named Howard Moskowitz and how he discovered that people have what they prefer is on a range. There's like no one perfect thing. And this great line that Malcolm Gladwell had said is a. When he's talking about that there's no such thing as a perfect Pepsi. There are only perfect Pepsis because this guy, Howard Moskowitz, was trying to you know, find out for Pepsi what's the exact you know, sweetness level that would make everybody happy. And there isn't just one point. There are kind of peaks in the range that you're looking for. So when we talk about what we think is a perfect classroom, you know, that's just like what I think is the perfect class – or not classroom, but class – for me today, right now. And if you check with me in two weeks after the semester has kind of been rolling along, I'll probably have a totally different attitude. Yeah. And, and even, you know, within um, the time period of like one semester or even just several weeks, um, what you're experiencing in the class uh, can change your bigger ideas, you know, maybe, maybe temporarily, but maybe permanently. Um but it can um, color and filter things and it'll change the way that you think about this specific thing about what uh, the the perfect class might be. So, um, yeah, so we'll talk about what uh, we think and uh, 
you think about what you think and, uh, you know, maybe make your list and uh, see if maybe when you're planning for next year, next semester, uh, you can maybe take some of those ideas and try to nudge some of your classes closer to the ideal. Yeah, well, there's that word, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, realistically, it's a big word. <laughs> realistically, <laughs> small, small steps. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the re- the reason I was thinking it's an interesting topic is I could just go ahead and you know imagine the perfect class mm-hmm. instead of the situation, which is that I have plans and ideas and goals and objectives and how going into that classroom on the first day, I can get a general feel of like, hmm, I got to go back to the drawing board now. (laughs) Yeah. So I would start off, by the way, I'm sorry. Mm, Cool. I was going to say that I would start off by saying that the perfect class is one that when I walk in right away and within the first, you know, few minutes, I can go, ah, my plan's going to (laughs) work. My, Mm. my, my lesson plans and my goals and objectives and my syllabus is going to work for this group of students. I think that's, you know, pretty much where I'm done, I think. <laughs> but it's so much is defined out of not really what I've seen as being perfect so much as what I wish. And it's because, and it's not because of the students most of the time, I think, Right. You know, it's maybe because of me. I feel like I'm meandering today, you know. It's because we're I'm recording in the evening, Tony, right? You're in Chicago right now. It's the morning, so you're nice and fresh. Oh, yeah, I'm very right? nice and fresh. It's uh, 6 a.m. I'm, I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, is it six so, yeah, or seven? It, yeah, so this yeah. is kind of like uh, our checklist, right? And um, it just kind of, kind of go through that. And when I was um, – as I was, you know, working on this uh, – I was, uh, I guess, mildly surprised, um, you know, thinking back uh, about, uh, you know, experiences in past classes, um, surprised at how many of the classes came close to ticking all the boxes and so, and how many truly enjoyable (laughs) classes that I've had and uh, how many of them came very close to pretty much all I could ask for. And so... um, yeah, this was kind of a, a fun thing for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I d- did have the perfect class. And it was in my, I think, I, the beginning of my second year of teaching in a Japanese college. Actually, after my first semester. Because I came in for the fall semester. I took over for somebody in the fall semester. So I had the fall semester. And then from that spring and... I had the best class ever. I mean, it was the best class ever. (laughs) I remember at the end, I remember just telling my students, I said, you've ruined my teaching career for me because no class will ever be this good. Mm. And it's really, really true. Mm. That was the best class ever. And that was in my second year of teaching in Japan. Well, I I don't think it's a sad story. It is. That's (laughs) kind of sad. Yeah. I don't have one best, but I have a whole lot of good ones. Great memories. But let's say, what does that mean? <laughs> let's get to get down. Well, to what specifics. made the classes so good? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when I was kind of thinking about this, and it's an interesting question, right? So you think oh, I want really high level students. I want students with you know really good English levels, etc. 
And I found myself thinking, wait a second, one of the best classes I ever taught were some really low-level students, small class of about 12, 14 students, really, really almost no English ability, but they really wanted to learn, and they had never had anyone work with them, right? People just assumed that they would not learn, and so they were always treated, I think, badly. That's my assumption. Um, but I had a fantastic year with them. So I think the first thing is that I don't really think that level is the main indicator. What really is is that, you know, in a perfect class, most of the students or enough of the students – and this goes back to, you know, what's the what's the uh, the tipping point, right, to make a class good. But that the students have had positive learning experiences and that they they, you know, to quote, you know – Richard Feynman, that the joy of finding things out, that they're filled with like joy and happiness when they learn something new or they discover something new or they get a word that fits perfectly in the language classroom. So that's where I would start with the perfect class. Well, you've, uh, you've, you've already like just about um, ticked off about four of the five things that I've got on my <laughs> list, right? And interestingly, we've got like um, class size, which I also have like a 12 to 16. Okay. Um, and in terms of level, um, I think I do have a preference for either high, intermediate, or lower advanced. Because um, a lot of times people think they want the the advanced advanced classes. Those are can be really. I mean, they can be very rewarding, um, but those can be difficult. Those can be a lot of work. Those can really be a, a lot of work. Um. And uh, let's see, what else, what else did you mention um, in terms of, well, my mind are kind of split different ways. And there's like maybe three different, I don't know, three different things here. Um, I think you mentioned like a, a curiosity, interested in learning. Okay. So in general, um, also interest in specifically language and culture. And then maybe maybe a bit of a lower bar. Um, talk about um, mm, maybe motivation, but let's call it instead uh, just a class that's you know again lower bar, willing to do the work because the kid's going to be you know really good and attentive in class and everything else. But um, if again it's 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 the work that it's going to. Uh, bring improvement in their in their language skills, and if they're not willing to do that, then um, you're not going. You know, you might have a good time, but you're you maybe not going to have the great results. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So just to kind of recap, it's like okay, those are the things we are you know, totally agree with. Um, that this is something that I think may that'll that'll hit one of your buttons. I'm pretty sure will hit one of your buttons. Hit one of my nerves. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a well because it's a thing. And uh, again, this is uh, you know uh, l- low bars. Uh, this is a minimal requirement. But again, um, specify <laughs> if you don't ask, you don't get it. Um, basic socialization, basic manners. <laughs> Uh, I was going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's it's sad that we have to include that item on the list, but we've got to include that item on the list because um, you and I 
I know both <laughs> have had classes um, where some, many of the students in in the class have no concept of what being in a university class means, or maybe any class. They, I don't know how they go through twelve years of education without getting some sense of what's appropriate behavior for a classroom, but they do. They manage. Um, and, I, you know, and it's not just, you know, and it's not just English. It's because, of course, you sit there and you wonder that too. It's like, okay, how did you get through six years of English study and so successfully manage to avoid learning anything? And, um, you know, no surprise. So they're often, often the same kids who really have a behavior issues. And, you know, and the answer might be very complex and, you know, not nearly as simple as you want to think, but we're talking about our ideal classrooms. In my ideal classroom, that student would be in somebody else's class. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, well, I used to work with at-risk students when I first started out with uh-huh, my teaching uh-huh. career. Mm-hmm. And, I think I may have told you, there was this one student, his name, I think, a long time ago, this is like 1980s. His name was Terrence. Terrence was this real funny young man, um, very bright, uh, very um, funny. And a teacher came in and said, do you have, do you know this kid Terrence? Do you have Terrence? I said, yeah. I said, great kid. I go, what? We must be talking. He's the worst kid I've ever taught in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So, Again, it's important to realize that when I'm talking about what my perfect class is, it's based on what I see. And the way that that student presents to other teachers or in other classes or in their actual day-to-day life is going to be completely different. Sure, sure. But, you know, I I would actually say, though, that in my perfect class, there's one kid, and for lack of a better word, I'm going to say, is a little bit rough in their manners, just a little bit, right? And they might be the only one in a room of, you know, students who are pretty well acclimated to university life. And I find that that one kid, if they're not too far over the edge, can really bring a lot to the class, and wake people up and, you know, kind of make it interesting mm-hmm. as a little spice to the mix. But it's not um, a real, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, I don't even know, can even say the word troublemaker, but the kind of student who obviously does not want to be in the classroom, but it's more or less, you know, it's a kid with an attitude, just enough of an attitude to make things fun. So I don't want, you know, students who are absolutely perfect, you know, and obedient and do everything that I say. You know, I just want a little want a little rebelliousness there too. You know, a little spice in there. And if there's one or two kids like that, one or two students like that, um, and they're agreeable to being, let's say, taught manners or taught a little bit about how to behave in the classroom, it can be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, and this is, I think, one of the spilling over into into manners and socialization into maybe in a different area, something something a little bit different, but it's really difficult to talk about because it's really kind of squishy. Um, but uh, I think maybe it's one of the the major components of this you know this concept of an ideal class when you start fantasizing about things is um, 
chemistry and yes. the, the chemistry not only between the teacher and the class, but, but between the, the students, but to, among among the students, and um, again. What kind of mix you've got? So you talked about like the student who's like a borderline troublemaker. Yeah, it can be like a spark that like brings everybody else to life. It can also be an irritant <laughs> that, that ruins every class. And well, uh, in the ideal classroom, <laughs> yeah. So that 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 chemistry thing and, and the social interaction, um, and in the in the in the best cases, um, the class together, um, really like co- cohesives and. Uh, you by the end of the semester or the year, uh, that the students know each other well. Again, small, again, ideal class is going to be small. Um, going to know each other at, at, to, to one degree or another, but in a in a cool, comfortable way. And and the and the teacher enters that as well. And so it really is the class um, becomes a unit. And yeah, when you know, that that bell rings, it is kind of a zen moment where it all magically comes together and everybody's having fun and everybody's learning and everybody's comfortable. Ah. <laughs> but, you know, actually, what are the components to to, you know, what's the recipe? I know, uh, you don't have a recipe. You just get in the kitchen and start throwing stuff together. <laughs> yes, well, you know, it's we can't pick the students we're getting most of the time. Right. So that's what's going to happen. I think when I look at that mix, because the dynamic is really the key thing. Mm-hmm. Right. The ideal class has a perfect dynamic. So go figure. But for me, one of the real ideal things is that the level of the students is not homogenous and that there are some students who are less able, let's say, than other students, but everybody wants to help them improve. Yeah. And when you have that situation where, you know, the student's like, hey, let's let's bring you along. Come on. We understand you're having trouble. And they start tutoring and coaching and working with those students. You get such a wonderful atmosphere, but you get a lot better learning. And the students who are behind or catching up and they're feeling really good about themselves and the students who are helping those students are learning the material so much better. So it's just a a total positive, but when everybody's kind of at the same level and is successful, it's a fun class. Don't get me wrong. You can have really great discussions and move students along and work on their intellectual skills and critical thinking skills, for example, problem solving ability, in, you know, increase their awareness, uh, do some empathy exercises, et cetera, that you might not be able to do with students where there's some vocabulary issues or communication issues. It's pretty great. So I would think that my ideal class has a mix of students, but within a range that allows for everybody to move forward comfortably. And just to, to very, very briefly, just like to touch ground again, to make it practical, um, as we talk about this one very desirable you know, chemistry or set of dynamics in the classroom, um, one of the things that we can do is to Try to, and again, how, this is, this is hard, uh, but, you know, just going to observe and, you know, think deeply about the, the class and the students and their personalities, their behaviors, and 
you know, choose your activities and your class structure to elicit that kind of result, um, to set, you know, because it's one, what's going to work for one class is not going to work for another. Um, but try to create, um, activities and, and, and environment which will, um, nurture that kind of interaction and growth. Um, uh, and, you know, yeah, easier said than done. But uh, just just a thought, just to bring it, ground it back into reality. So anyway, back to um, back to the ideal world. What else? No, let's just stay. <laughs> go back into the trenches. No, let's 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 not. Let's I have want to stay in fun. the ideal world. Yeah. yeah. How about well, um, how about majors? Yeah, that's interesting. That's a really interesting mm-hmm. question. That's that's changed over time. Uh huh. It used to be that. Um, I really liked the humanities students mm-hmm. and the education students. Mm-hmm. But over time, more mm-hmm. and more, I'm beginning to really like the science students. Huh. And there's an interesting thing about this. Uh, this is, as explained by a professor I work with, um, very, very cool guy. A uh, guy, I think he's in his like mid to late 40s, maybe early 50s, a linguist. Um, I think he did his PhD out of the University of Maryland. Really great guy. Very cool guy. I like talking with him. Um, And we were talking because he used to be in education. He got moved over to the um, School of Science. And I was talking about just how, you know, students I felt uh, in the College of Education, School of Education, weren't quite up to par where they were. And I was getting surprised at my science students being, you know, better at communicating. And he said, well, you got to understand the science students, they're doing lab work all the time. They're working in labs and groups and doing projects. And that takes up a lot of their class time. So they're spending a lot of their time communicating with each other, learning how to communicate with each other. While a lot of the students in, let's say, you know, other faculties are working more independently of each other. And I thought that was a very interesting take. Hmm. So I'm finding that uh, a lot of the science students, they seem to be better at communicating, which is really shocking because that goes against the stereotype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other thing I've learned to really like about the science students is you could see them calculating and figuring out what they have to do to get the grade they want. (laughs) And, you know, a real kind of rational approach to cost-benefit analysis for the class. Mm. (laughs) Right? You know, you can see that there's the student who says, okay, I'm happy with a B, and they figured out this is the amount of work they need to do for a B. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, I don't want that from a student, I could really – I can work with that student. That, because that, there's, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I think we all do did that, right? Where you take like the required class and you think, okay, you know, I'm happy if I get an A minus or a B plus, let's say. I think that was like always like the – you know, B plus was always disappointing for me, but I was disappointed far more often than I wanted to be. Hmm. But – there's a certain kind of, uh, I guess, lack of, you know, kind of a scientific thinking, more of a rational thinking, reasonable thinking with those students that I can work with them. Because a lot of times if I say to them, I said, well, what grade do you want? They'll be very clear. They'll say, okay, I want a B or I'm happy to get an A or, um, you know, I'm ha- I just want the, 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 the credits. But 
often if I ask that question to, let's say, economic students or you know business management students or education students, for example, or other students, they'll say, well, I, I, I don't know, really. So in an ideal class, right, the majors – you know, actually, I like mixed majors is best, Right. So there's a nice mix yeah, well, of those. again that the dynamics and chemistry it, it depends on the mix and it depends on the individuals. Um yeah, mixed classes can work really well. I've had some that uh, worked very well together. Um and a lot of times the students themselves enjoy meeting people outside their own majors because uh for the rest of the time they're often with the same people. Um, other people, other students don't like it at all. Yeah, they, they, right. They, and they just you get end up with like cliques um, within the classroom, different groups and things. But uh, for me, um, yeah, I, I guess like more stereotypical, I'd go with the, the English majors um, more so. The uh, international communication majors; those are always a kick. Um, I almost I don't teach any of those kinds of students, and usually, uh, so education. Especially elementary education, uh, they're like they're usually just like angels, and um, nursing, nursing students also. Um, no, no surprise. Elementary education, nursing, tend to you know uh, people who are committed to helping other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> in education that they, they understand school. I guess they they like school. Um, so for me, you know, with a blank slate, I'll just playing the odds. I'll take those. Like you, though, I've had great. Classes with um, like uh, the computer guys, which you know a lot of people dread because they're, you know, again the stereotype is so non-communicative and they go on the spectrum, so to speak. But um, you know, I, I guess it, with, at a certain point they kind of recognize, like, hey, this guy's one of us. <laughs> <He's> got, <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> he's one of us. He's, just, he's got, and you can hear him talking. Like, WordPress, WordPress. <laughs> and he says, no, no, it's really easy. No, it's hard. No, no, it's really easy. <laughs> But uh, right, you know, and right. then I share, yeah. I share some of my stories with them, and it's like, yeah, and then it's like, okay, and and things progress well. Uh, but after that point, but um, and so yeah, it works. It's great. You, it's, you somehow manage to um, create that dynamic, that chemistry. But uh, in terms of an ideal class, yeah, give me the other ones. Give me the international communication, education, nursing. Yeah, um, yeah those are those in my memory. Some of the just oh, just it's a just a pleasure, just a pleasure to teach yeah. them. For me, I think the the best, you know, an ideal class actually would be returnees and students who were mm. um, educated international schools, um, and that's not just necessarily because of the English. It's no, really no, just no. Because the, the there's a total different way of thinking, right? Yes. Open minded <laughs> thinking. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. By the way, I want to go back to when you were talking about the computer majors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I actually enjoy. When I get the, those students, because they'll be in the science class, sometimes I get a bunch of computer science students, mm-hmm. and I'll say, "So, what do you study?" And they'll say, "Computer science." And I say, "So, do you do coding?" And they say, "Yeah." And you say, "What kind of coding?" And they go, "Computer coding." <laughs> <laughs> and we have a, I have a little fun with them, and then I start asking specifically, and I'll say, "Ah, oh, so you prefer Python to Java or something?" Because you know I have basic knowledge mm-hmm. of that, and you could see them look at me. You, yeah, it's right? like what the hell. <laughs> You're right. He's he one knows, of us. He knows of. more than English grammar. He, exactly. He knows more. And when this really comes out, it, in talking about the ideal class, and <laughs> with a kind of segue here, as I usually do, but in the ideal class, 
every student thinks my the music I listen to is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and in an ideal class, I have students who will come up to me and they'll say, Mr. Wiz, I just listened to this CD and it's a CD I've never heard of. And they said, but you said you liked this person last week. I think you'll like this person. Yeah. And I had a class where there were like three or four students who every week were just flooding me with their music recommendations. Mm. And that was really, really fun because now you've got another thing to talk about. So maybe that's a really a major thing I, I should point out is that in an ideal class, I'm able to find an avenue of communication, a topic of a sub or a subject for each student in the class that they're interested in and I'm interested in, that we have mutual interest. Mm. And it can be different things. It could be music, art, you know, popular culture, it could be literature. I love it when kids are, you know, students are reading books and they tell me about the books they're reading or the ideas they have or the things they've done. So, yeah, I think, again, the ideal class just basically is that that's when the class and I, and I have a perfectly matched dynamic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I said and, at the beginning, it'd be very, very subjective, right? It's right. Very, and you can't different. force that. And you can't force that. Right. And you know how we've talked about uh, how you can like, you know, you say, okay, this student's going to get an A, this student's going to get a B, this student's going to get a C. And you do that on the first day. And then you compare that to the grades that the students earn at the end of the semester. Mm -hmm. You've done that, right? Yes. And, talked yeah, about I this. Did, and I did a presentation on it once and how, how poorly right. I did. Yeah. Now, the question is, how often have you walked into a classroom like within the first day? And kind of gone, this is going to be a fantastic class. So you kind of go, hmm, this one's going to be challenging. How often have you been wrong on that? Well, I've been wrong. Um, maybe less, less so than with the individuals. But, uh, yeah, I, I've, of course, called it wrong <laughs> more than a few times. Well, I mean, how often? I mean, more than a few times. But, you know, think about how many classes you've taught, uh, for you taught me, in your probably entire career. That less than 30%. So, like, I think I'm okay. like usually 70% on, spot on. First impression. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to be able to figure out when I'm wrong, what, I, what I'm seeing that's making me <clears throat> wrong. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good question. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Right. But I would agree. I think 70 to 75% of the time, I think I call it pretty well, but then that could just be a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah, that too. You know, uh, but, you know, the things that I – you know, the feeling when you walk into a class, it's the first day and, you know, you got that big smile on your face, you know, you're, you know, you're pumped. You got, you've drank five cups of coffee. So you're really highly energetic. It's Monday, the first class, you know, of the year. And you kind of go, good morning, everybody. And everybody's heads down and nobody budges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that. Uh. Yeah. So my ideal class is that everybody's really upbeat and positive and excited to be there on the first day and they just can't wait to start using you know english and start communicating with each other jesus yeah <laughs> where, do you, where do you teach you said ideal class you said that's ideal right class. that would be the ideal class for sure that would be right. the ideal for sure um well you know i have had a couple of those classes yeah me too and again i think it's more it's the dynamic between the students that yeah, and really that, yeah. defines that, you know. 
And uh, one of the, that kind of leads into one of the other things. It, it goes outside the classroom a little bit, but um, we talked uh, a number of times about um, school cultures, right? And uh, uh, we tend to focus on what's happening. You know, we're in the classroom. We tend to focus what's in the classroom, but we sometimes forget that the students don't live in our classroom. They live in a much larger world, and there's other things that uh, impact um what they do in our classes, how they respond and how they behave and everything else. And um, in order to have the ideal class, I think you also need a, a supportive external culture uh, at the school, at the university, both for um, the students and uh, the teachers and um, supportive in, in all kinds of ways in terms of, you know, what the culture, what the school culture um, tells the students about, uh, teacher and student interaction, you know, like what, what is the the relationship between the teacher and the student? That's so different from school to school. Um, you know, I've been like a, a small women's universities, a uh, small-ish, um, when the classes were a humane size, and they chose the school uh, with the expectation that they would have, um, you know, closer relationships with the teachers and other students. Um, as opposed to some of the, the the bigger schools, I mean, not not the not the one that you're at, but the one that I was at, the other uh, public university, where it seemed like the assumption was, yeah, the teacher was just a, a piece of equipment that that was going to be in front of the classroom for ninety minutes to uh, free to be completely ignored. Um, but uh, th- that culture itself, but also uh, within um, you know the, the 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 coordinator or the supervisor. Um, you know, how do they respond to teacher problems, complaints, requests, et cetera, et cetera? Um, what's the environment for the teacher and how much does the, how much does the department, the coordinator, et cetera, the structure, um, contribute to the teacher's efforts to, um, to, to do the best, um, for the students, with the students, um, that can also make a really big difference. And, you know, I've had great success the other way too, you know, fighting completely 180 degrees against the you know, administration um, to, to do the best that I can in the classroom with, you know, with great results, but it's a lot easier the other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we could go off on that. You know, <laughs> I think what we're really talking about is the class, right? What we're really looking at are the students and I think what they feel, but I understand what you mean. I, uh, you know, I just, you know, I was t- talking with uh, my wife today and I was like, you know, it's amazing that I am expected to read my student evaluations and respond to my student evaluations, but management and administration never has to be evaluated by me. <laughs> Funny, huh? It's like, come on, you guys. Come on. Why don't you see what it's like? Yeah. Right? How 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 nice would that be to get a anonymous <laughs> evaluation form for your superior. Well, no, I just want to do that. I just want to do that and then say, well, now you understand why I don't pay any attention to my student <laughs> evaluations. <laughs> I don't like what they say. Or mm. I think, though, that again, when we're, we're looking at students, because it really is about the students, which, you know, I, I know what you mean about school culture and school administration. Yeah, because it, really it affects the students. And, and, and only yeah, you know, so basically, far as it, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you just want them to say, why don't you get out of my way so I can teach? 
but make sure that there is continuity within, you know, between the classes so that when I get somebody else's student in the second year, you know, we've kind of covered roughly the same stuff, you know, but then again, we're going down this road to, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, away from what's the ideal class and with students and stuff. So, yeah. Well, I'll, g- I'll give it's, you like a little example of how it, it, it you know directly affects the classroom. This is okay. I mean, I, I yeah, I know, but but this is like this is really poignant. <laughs> it's really easy to see. So, okay, I a, appreciate you're making it easy for me. <laughs> not for you, son. <laughs> it's it's for sometimes people. you're so you're so polite, and <laughs> gentle with me. I really do appreciate it. So this uh this was a um, first year uh, general communication class, and uh, they were starting new materials, and uh, we were given the new materials, and it's like, oh, this is interesting. There's a lot, you know, the, the you know, fundamentals of, of, of basic conversation, is it? But there was like zero. There's like there's, there's no vocabulary. There's no. There's no vocabulary in the material here. And he says, yeah, well, they get their vocabulary in this other class, which is, I think, pretty much geared toward, I can't, I think TOEIC maybe. The TOEIC class, that's where they get their vocabulary. And I says, well, maybe could we get like a a list of the words that the, you know, their, their, their word lists so that we could, you know, recycle and we could, you know, emphasize that in, in our classroom because this material that you've given me, it's like, it's fine. And you want us to supplement, which is fine, which I'm going to really, you know, I'm going to supplement it to 90% of the class and that's fine. But, you know, if, if I could integrate that a little bit with the other classes, no, <laughs> no, um, the, 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 the TOEIC teachers or the, whether the vocabulary teachers want control over that. So we, we can't do that. So, as I said, so that yeah, follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> so yeah, so exactly. So you know, you kind of go out on your own. You find out you, you know what you know. Get your word list, and you, and you do what you need to do. But it's like, yeah, um, not having that impediment would be really nice for that class. It would be really, it really, it would be really nice to get yeah, not have that. But uh, oh, there you go. Well, that does beg the question. Of how often do we have ideal classes, but there's so much friction caused by the way things are done or run or put together or administered mm-hmm. that we we don't notice, we miss or we screw it up. And I think that accounts for a you know a, a certain percentage of what happens in my class. I feel like okay, in the ideal class, I'm not fighting against the school system, and I'm not fighting. Um, with whether or not, you know, like, for example, in the first year presentation classes, let's say I get second year students, that students, you know, understand what a hook is or why you have the topic statement, you know, and you outline how what you're going to talk about things or they understand factor opinion or concrete and abstract language, you know, things you think that would be covered in a basic class, let's say, right? And in an ideal class, all the students are coming in with the right amount of information, right amount of knowledge, right amount of experience that matches up with what I'm supposed to teach them in that class. That's something I think I'd probably toss out. 
Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <Throw> yeah. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I guess we should make some like passing comment just about the, the, the physical classroom. Yeah. You want obviously. To? Space, you know, beach. distance beach. between people not crowded <laughs> up. Um, you know, noise level is quiet enough. Um enough boards for writing not only for the teacher, but for students to collaborate and do different things. Um, well lighted. Basic, you know, HVAC, like uh, warm enough in the winter, cool enough in the summer, fresh air, enough ventilation, uh, comfortable desks, chairs, things that move around. Um, For the teacher, you know, um, adequate AV or equipment, projection equipment, whatever it is that, that you need or what you think is important, whatever you need is there, whatever is good there, you know, decent performing Wi Fi. I mean, you know, long list, but um, we, we want, yeah, we want all of those things in our ideal classroom, right? Just give me, give me whiteboards on all the walls in the classroom, and please make sure that there are pens that have ink in them. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this pens is with, for pens any think teachers. Is a big one. This is some. Okay, listen, I got to send this one out. I got to send this one out in the ideal class. Okay. The teachers before me, when they use whiteboard pens that don't work, they throw them away. They don't put them back on the rack in front of the whiteboard. Yeah. Did I tell you that I that you know how often that happens? You grab for a whiteboard mm-hmm. pen and mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. It's totally dried out. Sure, it's always the first one, first two or three. Yeah, right, right. It's it's always the <laughs> second one and it's always the third one. <laughs> what it's funny because what I do is when that happens, I just take the whiteboard pen and I throw it into the, like one of the front corners of the room. <laughs> And the students all flip out. Like, they really freak out. Like, what's the teacher doing? And I look at them and I say, well, you know what the professors do, right? They And I show them that the pen doesn't work and they put it back down. And then I say the next professor comes, picks up the pen, <laughs> doesn't work and puts it down. I said, this is the only way to make sure that people <laughs> – you know, don't put back, you know, bad pens. Yeah, so. this, is, this is – I'm being polite and courteous for the next teacher. In a fun way, mm. right? And the teacher will go over and say, why is this pen on the floor? (laughs) Oh, because it doesn't work. And then they'll, right? But, uh, yeah, I think in in my ideal classroom, all the walls would be whiteboards or, or, you know, um, writable paint, Mm -hmm. right? And that students could just work at whiteboards all class long and move to different whiteboards. That would be perfect. Um, do the ideal classroom does not have fixed desks <laughs> in right. rows, right? Uh, the desks are movable. I think the Wi-Fi is increasingly important. Um, good ventilation now is suddenly really mm. important. Uh, lighting, as you mentioned. Um, and, oh, the ideal classroom is not one of those classrooms where you have to take your shoes off when you walk into the classroom because it has a wooden floor. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> If had you're that. not – we have, we have a couple of these classrooms over at my, my university and it's like I'm, I just cry whenever I get those classes because, um, <laughs> again, if you've never been in Japan and if you're like me and you have like reasonably sized feet, the slippers are never big enough <laughs> – yeah, and by the time you spend ninety minutes walking around with these slippers with your heels hanging over, you've got really sore feet. Yeah, that's something that I think people in Japan would know about. 
Yeah, I've never, I've never had that. I, I only, the only shoe uh, school that I was at was uh, one of my very first uh, university. It was, it was, it was Tandai. It was a women's Tandai, and it was a Catholic yeah. Tandai, and it was a lot more oh, like a high school. Same thing. I, I did. It's yeah. more like and a high school. To- and so and you had to take your shoes off. I did. The teachers didn't, but the students did. The students all had to change from shoes to slippers, but the teachers could uh, walk uh-huh. wherever they wanted with their shoes. Yeah. We have, I think, two classrooms like that in one of the, the classroom buildings. And it's just like, please don't give me that classroom. Well, That's see, that would be a thing. So you maybe, you know, when it comes around Christmas time, you go out to the office with some, you know, end of the year, you know, thank you for the nice year. Next year, happy, happy. By the way, <laughs> don't put, in my ideal world, don't give me this classroom next year. <laughs> usually they're pretty good when I ask. Mm-hmm. And no, they and they usually are. Yeah. yeah, 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 most schools. Yeah, yeah. yeah, overall, I find that in many ways, um, the forward-facing office people are really, really nice. And, you know, and simple requests like that because, and, you know, it's important to, you know, for the audience, right? It's important to ask because they don't know. And it, it might be just as easy to put you in, in B, in classroom B as in, as in classroom A, but without any input, it's, it's just as random, right? And so you might be in the classroom that you, and you want the one next to you and the guy that's next to you, he or she might want the class that you're in. <laughs> and it's like, I like this one because it's like, well, let's, you know, and a lot of times people say, well, let's switch, but, if you make those uh, desires known to the office staff, it, it can, they'll do it. And yeah, and you're one step closer to this perfect class. Yeah, it's really funny though, because often I'll go in and I'll say, uh, Can I change class? Because there's something I really dislike about the classroom. And the person will say, Oh, we thought you would like this classroom because of this thing, mm-hmm, this one mm-hmm. factor. And you're like, Actually, no. And they're like, Oh, Sorry, we gave you the classroom because we thought you would like that. Yeah, and I've then had they that know too. better. <laughs> yeah, but by the way, the thing that you just said—you um, know, little gifts to the office staff that are nice to you. Yep, it's just something as every teacher should do. For example, there was um, I was doing something special in one program, and I had to ask someone, and I said, "Could you please enter the data into the database for me? It would be really helpful." And they were really great, and they did everything for me. And the next time I saw them, I brought them just some, you know, cookies. Right? Yeah. 800 yen cookies, some nice 800 yen cookies, 1,000 yen cookies. It's $9, $8, right? They'll do anything for me now. Yeah. They're just so grateful because, you know, you've just said thank you to them. But you know what I find this, you know, it's really beautiful about Japan, Tony. <laughs> this is great. Is I, I, I did that and I gave this one woman who had been really helpful to me, I gave her the cookies. And there were some nice cookies, as I said, not, you know, too expensive or anything. And then I get an email back from her like two days later. It's like, oh, you know, dear Mr. Wiz, thank you. We all enjoyed the cookies because what that woman had done is she had shared the cookies with everybody else. No, as you do. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just it was just such a wonderful feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That, you know, one person had helped, but just that great thing about sharing the cookies instead of oh, I'll take these home and eat them myself. Kind yeah, of. yeah, yeah. I, I had that a lot, and actually, it's one of the one of the universities that that I, that I taught at. Uh, again, it was it was smaller, so it was a lot more familial, and uh, yeah, that was happening all the time. You know, someone gives somebody you know chocolates, or you know, somebody brings omiyage, and and you know the office staff will come to the teachers' room and share it with the teachers. The teachers will you know go to different offices and spread it around, and it was. Um, yeah, makes it a very pleasant place <laughs> where so often it's not. But so, sometimes it, you know, yeah, things kind of align and come together, and, and it can 
be such a pleasure to go to work. Yeah. Well, and something that just came to my mind is that sometimes we forget that those people are in the system too. Yeah. And they're struggling with the system. <laughs> yeah. You know, just as much as we're fighting the system, yeah. they're yeah. fighting it. And remember, so are the students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And – I mean, it's really funny. One time I said something to the students. I asked a question about one school. I was at one school and I said, yeah, you know, I had this really weird experience with the the uh, the office people. And all the kids started talking about their, their incredibly bad experiences. <laughs> And it was a great it was a great class, right? Right. Because like, now it's like, because well, until then you were one on the other side. Now you're on their side. And so, they were just – they were trying to go – they were like, Mr. Wiz, how do you say – how do you say – how do you say – you know, like you get to teach like pain in the neck, right, <laughs> irritating, incompetent. You know, they were like – I'd never seen those students writing down so many words. They were just like, oh, because this is a vocabulary they never learned. Sure, sure. They sure. never learn. you know, need to be able to say, excuse me, but I think you're inept. <laughs> And then, of course, naturally, it came back to bite me because the students started using the vocabulary. Yeah, with who me. taught you that word? Yeah. Right, right? It's like, Mr. Wiz, I think you were. This is an inept assignment or something. <laughs> it was like, okay, well, transfer. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> but yeah, the ideal class, though, is when you get those moments, mm. and maybe that's really it. Maybe instead of talking about the ideal class. What I really mean is that there are those ideal moments, those magical moments. And the ideal class is just filled with more of those magical moments. And anyone who's been in the classroom knows what we mean when we say magical, right? Sure, sure, that, sure. And it's, you know, that overwhelming feeling of just like, wow, this is just like, why would I want to do anything else in life? And then it passes, and then you have another 89 minutes in the classroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it's – the ideal class is uh, – I think there's shared understanding between the students. Everybody understands that you're in it together. And I guess the real question is, what can we do to create that camaraderie, create those connections with the students? Because it gets harder as I've gotten older, you know? Yeah, and it's something that's not taught ever. But um, the it would be – maybe it would make a very interesting book um, – to look at the elements that go into um, creating that kind of environment, that kind of atmosphere, that kind of ideal classroom. So how, what can you do? You know, nothing to do with like, well, well, peripherally, I guess it does, you know, include things like, um, you know, the, the syllabus and the textbook choice. And, it, and what I talked about a little before, like, you know, what, what choose what kind of activities you have. But there's 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 way much, a lot more, many 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 more things that you can do, I think, that with some thought, and some reflection, uh, to foster that that's that set of dynamics or, or that chemistry, or creating that um, classroom environment uh, that would make it all better and easier. For the teachers and the students, yeah, I don't know if it can be taught, but I, hard, I have seen right? it. I have, I have watched. I think <clears> you've I, seen I it you and that. you've experienced it. <laughs> you've you, you've experienced the lack of of it. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, one of those point, points where teaching it's it that goes from the uh, 
the science to the art, I guess. Mm. And then sometimes yeah. it's a cop out. So it's like, well, you know, it's, you know, you got to be, you know, quantifiable. It's got to be measurable. It's got to be like, well, yeah, maybe. How do you, how do you quantify happiness? Money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, so, some of my, my, one of my best paying schools is my least favorite. <laughs> yeah, see, you can quantify happiness there, right? There well, you there's, go. There's no correlation. But, you know, I think I think one of the key things for the ideal class is, and this is something I don't talk about myself anymore when I start classes. I don't introduce, you know, I introduce myself. I say, hi, my name's Charles Wiz, and I'm teaching this class, and, you know, um, I'll say what department I'm in at my main job or where I teach if it's you know a part-time job. But I try to be I, I'm I'm very bad at this, but I try to be interested but and not interesting. I try to always be interested in my students and remember that it's not about me, it's about them and try to really focus on them. So that tends to in an ideal class, you know, we talk, we've been talking about what the students would do. In an ideal class, I would be completely interested and focused on the students and not have any concern at all for myself. So that's something I just wanted to toss out. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd give them very minimal <clears throat> information about myself. Listen, you know, I've been here for a long time, American, blah, blah, blah. But uh, anything more than that, they've got to ask. Right. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I, I sometimes will, you know, when after they've done like their introduction activities or whatever it is, you know, at the beginning class, if um, if I'm good enough about time, there's time left over at the end, and I, you know, have questions for me about you know, anything, you know, the class, English, the curriculum, me, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't talk much about myself. At least at the beginning. Later on, in you know, depending on what we're doing in class, um, if I'm asking them to reveal things about themselves, I will um, reveal things about myself. Because fair, you know, it's like, you know, we're talking about families, right? I don't have to tell you about my family. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it should. The, the focus is certainly on on the students. But if that's, 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 not, that's not enough, right? It's like not enough just to have the focus on the students, but how? What is it that you do? And I don't have answers for these things um, because it's different for you, each teacher and it's different for each class. But what do you, what do you choose? What activities do you choose that um, is going to engage them at that point, at that day, at time, at that class, but will also then serve as a stepping stone toward, you know, further engagement, deeper engagement in, in the same way. Um, yeah, it's a tall order. <laughs> um, but, you know, just having the thought sometimes, you know, the awareness, that's not, it's enough to, it's like, to influence your decisions. Should I do this? Should I do that? So, let's do, with these guys, let's do this. Maybe this will work better. But just something to think about because those choices can make a difference in mm. everybody's, you know, satisfaction and achievement, um, whether it's teaching or learning. Um, those, you know, it, th th those big results are all made by, you know, the results of tiny, tiny steps along the way. Um, 
And um, that's why teaching is hard. It's an art. <laughs> it's it's both. It's, it's art and art. Well, science. right, right, right. But but the, the idea that art is separated from science, right? It's no, no, no. no. Most that's artists a have a very thing, good. Yeah. Most artists understand right the science of perception quite oh, well. The Greeks had right? a word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that, 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 I, so many classes where I've worked that in, and it's like, you know, a long, long, long time ago, yeah, a chair was art. And there was no distance between an art from a, from a table and a poem or a song. Hmm. Good old days. I remember them well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then, we, you know, again, you know, the whole concept of ideal, right? Oh, sure. We go, yeah. And then we go, into, we go right, I, I, I step right here. This is Plato's cave. Come on, take a chair. Stare at the wall. Um, and yeah, and, and so the, the, the students who are capable of that, I, I give them a big dose of that, you know, we, you know where you're at now. Um, yeah, so they all learned about uh, the platonic ideal in Plato's cave. Do you think like, you know, you have like, you know, like a sound bar in Plato's cave? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like what size? That would be a great question if you're teaching Plato's cave and one of the students raised their hand and says, what size TV do they have? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- uh, I think you're it's missing a, the point here. It's a, it's a sound bar, but it's that what you're listening to has been done by a really, really incompetent in- sound engineer, is what I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, right? Yeah. So I okay. think uh, so. We're kind of kind of petering out here. Let's see. Um, we don't. I was, go I've into, been petering out since we started. Tony. We don't want to go into the, the negatives here. That's that. but so maybe nail just like uh, nail down some practicalities. Um, like, so like we went through this, we didn't really do it. You know, it was not very organized. We didn't like Charles's list, my list, but make your list, um, for you, you know, after this, you think about it a little bit. It's like, yeah, what's your ideal class? Um, you're, you're starting your, the second semester here. Take, you know, take, take a minute, assess your current classes realistically, right? Okay. So each of your classes is like, okay, what's good about this class? What's not good about it? What is Okay, compared to my list of my ideal class, how does this class check some of those boxes? Where does it fall short? Is there anything you can do about it? What tweaks can you do that might open up the door to some of those other things? So whether it's, you know, the choice of a warm-up activity or an exit activity, um, whether it's how groups are assigned or what the way that the groups um, function in relation to the whole class. I mean, whatever it might be, I, you know, I don't know. It's your class. Um, and then if you do manage to do that, maybe use that to um, think about your classes for next year where you get a fresh start, you know, you get new students again. Um, and I'll use that word again. So what can you do to nudge each of those classes closer to your ideal class? And, yeah, it'd be better for you. Be better for your kids. Sounds like a good thing. Yes. Kind of, yeah. I would. The only thing I'd add to that is that, as you said, it's really a good idea to get an idea about what your ideal class would be, so you could know what you you know we're trying to kind of move towards. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's it doesn't it's, have to. But it's an interesting exercise because it forces you to think about it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And I was going to say, the other thing, too, is to say this is like the absolutely ideal class. 
This is an acceptable class. This is an unacceptable class. And start filling in the different levels. And what happens is that that starts giving you a clear idea of what you might need to do. Because, you know, it's like, okay, I want to have an ideal class. I don't even know where to start, right? So, again, yes, making the list will help you and give you a better idea. But it's also important to remember that there's just things that are beyond your control. That's true. Very, very true. You just, yeah, really, and most of it's beyond your control. And the ideal classroom could be something as simple as, I did my best, given the circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You think that's a good place to end? Oh, man. No, (laughs) and on a down note like that. No, it's not a down note. It's not a down note at all, Tony. It's completely the opposite. Which is to say that ah, I did the best in the circumstances I was given. It sounds like admitting really, defeat to me. <laughs> no, no, that's admitting victory. <laughs> right? The, the Department of just, Peace. The Department of uh, Truth. <laughs> no, I, but I don't mean it in a I'm negative joking. at all. I, I, don't, understand, I think I understand that's part of saying. part of it is that that's how I think most of the time. Mm. I failed. I didn't get them to the point I did. And instead I could look back sometimes and go, well, you know. What I accomplished was pretty good. I think. Remember where we worked together. Yeah, not, and not only that, but like when you, even when you have the, th- the outcomes that are less than ideal, um, is um, and, and you, I, I thought that's what you were going to say. But th- those are, you know, this a bit of a cliche. But that's a learning opportunity. It's like you know, we, we, and we, we've all screwed up. We've all had those classes that, like, yeah, I, I again, I, I failed. I did not. I did my best, but this did not. Go well. My best was not good enough. My best was not good enough. So, and, and and so, what can I learn from this? It's like what did what? How did I screw? What you know? And and sometimes, mm, <laughs> you didn't do anything wrong. But mm, most of the time, there's some, you can learn something. It's like okay, yeah. when you have this, it's like maybe you just like to rather than continue to push in the direction as you think you could. It's like well, just. Okay, if it's not going to work, it's like pull back, regroup, and uh, take a different tack. Maybe, maybe, okay, so maybe next year I'll be more aware of that. If I see it going the same way, maybe I'll try that next year and see how it goes. Mm. But okay. uh, yeah, but but uh, just because the things didn't, <laughs> because all your classes aren't perfect classes, um, uh, and none of them are. Uh, always, I don't. Oh, think. mine are. Mm. <laughs> keep keep telling yourself that. <laughs> I do, I do. That's my mantra. <laughs> I will I am, not buy. I, I will stop enough. buying stupid and stuff. Ga- every day. And gosh darn it, people like me. I'm dating myself. That's uh, for the oldsters here. The old, old, old Saturday nights of Jack Handy's self affirmation. Oh, the, gosh. the last one. And gosh darn it, people like me. I've never gotten that better far. Person <laughs> I've never gotten that far. Well, I never bought the book either. So, mm. all so, right. But I think the key again is—I don't know what the key is. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what the key is. I think again, it's such an evolving thing. But you know, by the end of the podcast, now I'm just thinking to myself: Well, you know, the ideal class is when I've done better than the, I did in the class before. <laughs> I just, you know, keep it moving forward. And I think, again, it goes back to that old thing where I really believe is that if you save one kid's life in your entire teaching career, you've done your job, 
right? You know, when we talk about ideal and ideal classrooms, right? Because we're really talking about moments. And, you know, as I said, I had the perfect class once. And I knew it. And it's never happened again. And I, I, I don't get credit for that. The students all get credit for it. But if you haven't had your ideal classroom, that means you probably, you know, <laughs> regression to the mean. It's going to happen. It's going to come. Yeah, you so got something. Be, you got something to look forward to, man. Because when it all clicks, there's nothing better. Yeah, and th- be open to it because uh, sometimes you can really miss those moments. Yeah. When I look back on my teaching career, I think you know, if I had just said done that differently that day, I wonder how the whole course would have turned. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got those. How true? How true? Okay, I'm done. Mm. <laughs> I am at the end of my ropes. Wits end. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make a comment, Tony. Bite, bite your tongue. Bite yeah. your tongue. I'm bleeding, bite your man. Tongue. I'm bleeding Okay, already. I know. Chewing on that gum. <laughs> I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Well, you should have a good stay in Chicago. I'll try. I'll try very hard. Going, taking a trip down south. I've already started classes so when this podcast comes out we'll be pretty much like about three and a half weeks into the semester Mm. so i hope um wishing everybody a safe semester i think for a lot of people they're back in the classroom again some people things seem to be getting better things seem to be getting better numbers really crashed but i'm (laughs) another prediction there if the state of emergency is gone and (laughs) yeah numbers are going to go up again i think yeah they're just going to go up again. I think there's just so much pent up wanting to go out, wanting to have fun, wanting to be social. I hope I'm wrong. Okay, Tony. Yep. All right. So, I'm two Charles teachers Wiz. talking. Yeah. And I'm one of the teachers talking, Charles mm. Wiz. So, yeah. Uh, drop us, hey, um, yeah, either uh, just a little plea, yeah, whichever is you want, either like a little review on iTunes, be nice. Um, but maybe more. And we'd never ask for that. I know. Yeah. Well, we sometimes we do. But so please, yeah, a review would be cool. But um, actually, um, more or even a rating. More important is no. There's just some feedback. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just you know, hey, this is great. This sucks. <laughs> let, us, let us know. Um, I know it's going to happen. They're going to go. Hey, Tony's great. <laughs> and uh, and you know, also like uh, topic suggestions. You know, you got an idea. So you, you agree with something we said. We disagree with something. Like you know, let us know. Um, two teachers talking at gmail.com. Um, talk to me. <laughs> so let us, let us know what's going on. Cause it's, um, you know, it, like Charles and I have a hell of a time you know, talking to the void, but, um, there's, Tony, such, you have a hell of a, wait, <laughs> it's a, such a one way thing and it would be really nice to get more feedback. And we get, we get some feedback and, and it's greatly appreciated, um, you guys, cause, um, we get like, um, both, um, you know, the email, but also word of mouth that comes back to us. Um, I'm say there in Osaka, uh, here in Osaka, but I'm, I'm, I'm not there at the moment. But yeah, the things get back to us. But um, yeah, let us know, and uh, especially like ideas, suggestions, yeah, topics you want to hear about. Yeah. Uh, so please, we're not asking. Hey, we're not asking for money. It's free. Okay. Increasing your hair. Money, 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 money's okay. Yeah, yeah. Money, money's okay. Yeah, you can say money. <laughs> yeah, I'm more interested in your okay. okay, we're done. We're done. See you, Tony. Bye. All right. <laughs>